Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14. For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. I, I put something on your chair. It's, a, it's an elastic band. Did you see that? So I put that there because it's a part of the sermon because I'm saying it's time to stretch. You know, and this, this is just, this just like this does nothing. Like you can't do nothing. You can't do anything with the elastic band. But you know what? It begins to function when you stretch it. And, oh, ouch. <laughs> Careful. Got to hurt myself. I was, I was trying to get Jeff. I missed him badly. I missed him terribly. You missed too. Good job. But you see, when you stretch it, it becomes functional. Something happens when you stretch it. So today we're going to talk about stretching. We're going to talk about stretching from the book of Mark. So we're stretching. We're looking for property outside of town. We're looking for, we got folks in, you know, Tilsonburg, Elmer, all people all down that way. They want to worship with us too right now. And it's very, very difficult. So we're looking for property there. We're looking every which way. We're talking to other churches. We're working with the Anglican diocese. They're talking, we got lots of property. We don't have as many people, but they'd love to partner and do things with us. So we're, we're pushing, we're shaking the bushes everywhere, but we got our eyes fixed on Jesus. And we believe that if you seek, you will find. So we're seeking every which way. We're knocking, we're asking, we're asking, we're knocking, we're seeking. And it says, you know what? If you ask, you're going to hear. If you knock, it'll be opened. If you seek, you will find. So join that process with us. We're talking to property owners and realtors and, and uh, churches and everything we possibly can because we're looking to expand. We're looking to stretch. Say stretch. We're looking to stretch. want to talk to you about stretching today. All right, rubber bands. All right, Mark 11 and 12. It says, now, Mark 11, 12 says, now when he drew near Jerusalem. So here we are. We're ending into the Passion Week. We're entering that last week. Jesus headed to the cross and the resurrection. So a very, very, and the rest of the gospel now, the rest of the gospel, Mark, is all about the last week of Jesus' life. So we've come all this way, two and a half years, three years of ministry, his journey down to Jerusalem. And now here we are, the book of Mark. It's all going to be about the last week of Jesus' life. So he's coming down to a Passover feast. We got the triumphal entry. We got the Lamb of God coming for inspection. We got the one who's going to take away the sins of the whole world entering in. And Luke 19, I want you to look, just Luke 19 is a parallel because it's one of the synoptic gospels and a parallel of, of his entering in and coming and his uh, triumphal entry. But here's what it says, 1941 to 44. Now as he drew near, he saw the city. Now he's looking at the city. He's coming. He's riding on the donkey. He's looking at the city. And you see the silhouette of the temple and everything there. And everybody's screaming out, he's the Messiah, he's the son of David. Look at him who comes in the name of the Lord. And you'd think that he's like, wowzers, we're really excited. His disciples were probably, whoa, this is it. I'm telling you, we're here to take over, whoa. And you know, they see Jesus and he's, he's heaving. You can see him, he must be excited. He must be flooded with joy. But then they ran around and looked at the front and he wasn't laughing, he wasn't shouting, he wasn't rejoicing, he was weeping. 
And the word that's used there for weeping is he was convulsing. I mean, he was deeply grieved that he was weeping. He was weeping so much. It wasn't a couple of tears. His whole body. Have you ever been sobbing so much where your whole body was involved? He was absolutely sobbing when he came into the city and he looked at it. Even though every said, everyone said, the son of David, the Messiah, woo! He is sobbing and convulsing because of what he sees. Have I got you? It says Jesus wept over it. And he says to them, he says, you are going to be surrounded. Your enemies are going to come. Not one stone is going to be left unturned. And he's coming into the city, but he sees the future of that city. It's going to be absolutely horribly and violently destroyed. That's what Jesus saw. And he was broken over it and convulsing over it. And he was so moved by it. He said, you are going to be surrounded and they're going to close in on you on every side. And why is it? It's because you did not know that time of your visitation. Now, Jesus is coming to Jerusalem, but the leaders of Israel, the leaders and the religious leaders of the day, they wanted nothing to do with Jesus. And because they would not recognize him, the word visitation is the same word as episcopal or episcopos. It's bishop or it's overseeing. You missed the moment of your oversight. You missed the moment where I had come to look in on you. You missed the moment where there was a visitation of God to transform your whole world and lives and you refused it you refused to believe in it you refused to embrace Jesus and listen here there is some bad news here if you refuse to believe in and embrace Jesus the end of that is destruction I mean I'm not just offering you Jesus is going to be all good I'm also telling you that Jesus is the only way to eternal life And if you don't accept him and you don't receive him, there is destruction. And what Jesus was weeping over is he's coming to a city and the people are saying they want to believe, but there's a religious leadership here that have rejected me. And because they've not embraced the moment of their visitation, there is impending doom and destruction to anyone who says, I will not receive or believe in Jesus. Say hallelujah. I mean, that's a part of the gospel, folks. Says he sent his son that, that whosoever would receive and believe would not perish because not believing and not receiving, not honoring him as Lord leads to destruction. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. So this is what's happening here as Jesus goes in. So what happens is uh, in Mark, he goes back uh, outside of town, Mary and Martha's place, and he has a nap, wakes up the next day, and he's headed back into town. So Mark eleven twelve to 14, it says, as he's headed back into town, he's hungry, and he sees a fig tree, and so he says, look at that, that fig tree's in full leaf. Wow, that's great. So he goes over to that fig tree because he's hungry, and he has an expectation, and he saw from afar the fig tree has leaves, and he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it because it's really not the time yet for figs, but at this time, when you're in leaf like that, there is the possibility that there is something. There's even a first harvest of figs. He goes, wow, that might be in manifestation. It's expressing that there's fruit here. So he goes over to get something from it because he's hungry. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves for it was not the season for figs. So you would think if if, if it's not the season, for figs, why are you mad at me? I'm mad at you because you, you're all in all in blossom. You're all in demonstration. You're all in your outer glory, but there's no manifestation of fruit. And so he, he said, he said, wow. He said, Jesus said to it, he said, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. 
bang. Then he goes into the temple and he goes into the temple and he cleans the temple out and then he comes back out of town. And when he comes back out of town in verse 21, he says, and Peter remembering said to him, because he said it out loud, he said it for all the boys to see. And I believe he said it for them all to hear and for them all to experience because he wanted to use this as a teaching lesson in this whole journey. So he was teaching the masses, but we see now he's transitioned to this private teaching of his followers. But he wants to teach them something with this whole cursing of the fig tree. And Peter says, wow, look at that, Rabbi, look. Rabbi, look. Look, Rabbi. He said, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. I mean, when Jesus cursed the fig tree, it didn't go to... He spoke it and nothing seemed to happen and he kept on walking. But the next day, they came back and they're walking by or or later after the cleansing of the temple, they come back. Peter goes, oh my goodness, look at that tree that you spoke to and you cursed. It is dead. I mean, dead from the root all the way up. And what is he saying? I see him saying more than just a statement of look what happened. I see him saying in that statement and in that with the exclamation mark on it, look at that, like, wow, how did you do that? I mean, what's that all about? What's happening here? And I see him asking a question and putting a demand on that, that whole thing. And Jesus wants to teach them something. And Jesus wants to teach them about having faith in God. So here in the middle of this kind of narrative, we suddenly have this little teaching session where Jesus teaches on faith after he he rebukes the temple and he cleanses the temple. He then also comes and he starts to teach them about faith. So Jesus inserts this teaching on faith right here. So Mark 11, 22. So Jesus answered and he said to them, have faith in God, which is one of the most brutal translations in the Bible. There's lots of them, but this is another one of them that is have faith in God and straight up literally in the Greek, it says, have the faith of God. It doesn't say have faith in God. It says you have the faith of God, or, or you can have the God kind of faith. But I love that. You have the faith of God. And if God commands you, if Jesus Almighty says, have the faith of God, he's not gonna tell you to do something you can't do. So here in the middle of this teaching, as they're seeing this, he wants them to get a revelation of how faith operates, and we got to get it too, because everything in your life is based on how you use God's faith in your life. Glad I came today, Pastor. Thank you so much. So have the faith of God. Mark 11, 23, 24. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be moved and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but he believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. He will, do you know that you have whatever you say no matter what anyway? You get what you say. They said they wanted a king, they got a king. You know, you have what you say. And if you say silly things, over your life, you know, you're speaking your reality, you're talking to your future. But you know, because faith operates that way. Faith, faith operates the same way as fear. You speak fear, you get fear. You know, faith is fear in, in the wrong results. It's faith in the wrong, wrong direction. But you see, when you got faith, you speak and you get what you say. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask or desire or require or or want or, or expect in your life, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you have it, believe that you've received it, and then you will have it. So whatsoever you desire, you gotta believe that you got it, then you get it. You see, but we've been brought up, I know I got it when I see it. 
When I see it, I'll believe it. Well, you know what? You got to see in the spirit, and then you got to speak it. And when you see it in the spirit and you speak the unseen things, the unseen things come into manifestation because you used your mouth and you spoke in faith and you call those things that are not as though they were in the state in your life. Amen. So we're going we're gonna to break this down and we're going to talk about it, all right? So, so you got Jesus came and he, he spoke to these people. Inwardly, he cleansed the temple because they were inwardly corrupt. And outwardly, he cursed the fig tree, which is a type of Israel. He cursed the fig tree and he said, you are, you are outwardly not bearing fruit. So you're outwardly, you're fruitless. Inwardly, you're corrupt. And Jesus saw when he came into the city and he wept. And he saw because of the rejection of him, because of their unbelief, destruction was right around the corner. Can I get a hallelujah? <laughs> it's just good stuff right there. First John 5, 4. I love this. Put the whole thing right on your screen there. First John 5, 4. Whoever is born of God is victorious over the world. And this is the victory that conquers the world, even our faith. Whoever is, whatever is born of God is. Are you born of God? Are you born from above? Anything that is born of God, anything that has its source in God, anything that is initiated from him, it is victorious over the world. And this is the victory that conquers the world, even our faith. So we are a people of faith. We are called to operate in faith. We have been called and birthed in a realm of victory, but for that victory to come into manifestation, we must know how to exercise faith. Thank you for those three people. Praise Jesus. The message says, every God-begotten person conquers the world's ways. Isn't that great? See, the world's trying to press in. The world's trying to confuse and mess with people right now. But you're born of God. You're begotten from above. And it says, every God-begotten person conquers the world's ways. That's not the earth. It's not this. It's the ways. It's the systems. It's the structures. It's, it's the way the world thinks, the way the world operates. Every person of God overcomes the ways of the world. The conquering power that brings the world to its knees is our faith. See, it's God. God alone is the object of our faith. But for the object of our faith to loose and manifest the unseen realm in our lives, it's faith. Faith is the conduit. Faith is the vehicle where you connect with every good thing that God has for you. You have to know what faith is. You have to know how to operate in faith. You have to know because that is the only vehicle you can use. I mean, if I said there's one road to Toronto and you say, well, I'm going to go through the woods. There's only one road to Toronto. The only way to get to Toronto is the one road. I'm telling you, the only way to access every good thing in God's purposes for your life is faith. And if that's it, if that's the only way, you better have a living, breathing knowledge of how to function in it. That's why Jesus is teaching this right here in the Passion Week. He wants his disciples to understand how this works. Philemon, I love Philemon, a little book, but this verse is so great. He says, Paul says to Philemon, he says, I pray for you that the faith we share, see, it's a faith from God, the God kind of faith that we all have, you have it. I have it, you have it. We all have the God kind of faith. But he says, Philemon, I pray that the faith that we share may effectively deepen your understanding. Say understanding. We want your faith to work in your life and bring revelation and understanding of all the good things of God. What? Of every good thing that not you're trying to get, not you're trying to overcome God's reluctance, but of every good thing that belongs to you right now. You're not trying to get it. You're not trying to qualify. Your faith will bring you a revelation and deepen your understanding of all the wonderful things that we have in God right now. 
wowzers. This faith thing seems pretty important, Joey. Seems like we better understand how to function in it and how to walk in it. All right, so I'm going to give you some basics of faith. And I made seven just because I like seven. How many like the number seven? It's like the perfect sermon when we have seven points. Can I get an amen? 24 would be too much. Three, it's like the Trinity, but seven, it's just perfect. Let's go. You ready? Number one, some of the basics of faith. Number one, faith is a law. Faith is a spiritual law. You cannot break this spiritual law. Everything operates by faith. Faith is a law, Romans 3, 27, but by the law of faith. So faith is, number one, it's a law. Number two, how good was that? Number two. Number two, faith is a gift. He said it in Mark 22. He said, have the faith of God. I wouldn't tell you have it. I wouldn't bring you into my home and go, have, have some of the pepperoni pizza. I wouldn't ask you to have something that didn't exist, that wasn't there, that you couldn't lay hold of and get involved in. It's a gift from God. You have the faith of God. Turn to your neighbor and say, I got it. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I got it. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you're my third choice. I got it. It's a gift. Romans 12, 3 says, God has dealt to every man. He's given to every man. Now, some translations brutally say, a measure of faith, which means that, you know, like, you know, I gave Chuck a little bit, and, you know, I, I gave Gord more, and I gave Wayne, like, a whole, whole bunch. You'd think that God was, you know, tossing out faith, and there's some kind of favoritism involved. No. It says, each and every one of us have been given the measure of faith. When you got the God kind of faith, you got the measure of the God kind of faith. Not a measure, not a little portion, not a little bit. People say, you got to have more faith, brother. You can't. Even the Bible, Jesus said, there's no more or less faith. There's just faith. But you see, you can become what you can walk in and you can have a greater revelation of faith and how it works. And the measure of faith you got, the only way it grows is by revelation and it grows by use. It's like a muscle. Mine are so big and bulky because I use them all the time. Especially this one up here. But you see, your faith, I want your faith not to grow because you didn't get enough, but to grow because you're working it, you're, you're gaining understanding and knowledge of it. So faith is a law. Faith is a gift. Are you ready? Number three, how does faith come? Well, faith comes by getting beat up by the devil. Faith comes by overcoming struggles. Faith comes because, you know, you, you go through trials, Pastor. Hallelujah. That's not how faith comes. It says faith comes by hearing and hearing. It doesn't say hearing, but it says hearing and hearing. Don't listen to the sermon once. Listen to it twice. Maybe listen to it even a third time. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing. And it's not the logos. It's the rhema. It's the word. It's the spoken, empowered word of God. It's rhemas of God. It's spirit, quick, and present words of God. That's how faith comes. Faith comes. Faith comes. It says your faith begins to expand. Your faith begins to grow because you get revelation of the word of God. Romans 10, 17. But then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Isaiah 5, 13. They were in captivity because they had no knowledge. See, a lot of people are in captivity to stuff because they don't know that your faith takes care of that. They got blockages and things that are missing and there's lack in their lives because there's unbelief in realms of where God has given you the kingdom and you're not operating in it because you just didn't know you could have it. There's a lot of, I had somebody here a couple weeks ago came in and they said, I'm getting a great 
revelation on healing. It was a guest. It was a visitor. And they said, I'm getting a great revelation on God wants to heal today. And I knew this guy. He used to work at Balones, and I, I knew him years ago. And, uh, you know, and so he's known us. He's known about our church. And then he came, and he says, oh, my goodness. I finally believe healing is for today. And then I realized what church teaches that. And then I went through the websites, went through everything, and I found it. You guys believe this all the time, haven't you? I said, we have. We've believed because he forgives all your sins. He heals all your diseases. See, he was locked down in a church. that They don't believe that. They don't believe that healing is a part of the atonement. And you know, if you don't believe that, that means your faith is crippled in that area. And you got a lack of knowledge, a lack of understanding in that area. So you're in captivity to sickness because you really don't believe health is a covenant that you have with God. Can I get amen? We're talking about how faith works, folks. That's what we're talking about. Some people don't have, don't have revelation in, in the abundance of God and the blessing of God in their lives. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a false teaching that God wants to bless you. No, it's a false teaching to teach that God doesn't want to bless you. That's a false teaching. It's clearly unbiblical. You can't find it anywhere in the, anywhere in the word, but you can find it in a lot of pulpits in town. Faith comes by hearing and faith works. Look how faith works. Faith works by believing and confessing. So faith works by believing. How do I work my faith, pastor? It works by believing and confessing. In Mark 11, he said, the things you believe, if your heart, you believe that, those things that you believe, then you have to say. Then the things you say come into manifestation. So your heart is a believing mechanism. God gave you a heart because it is your believer. Say my believer. It's your believer and your receiver. You're receiving revelation from God. You're getting revelation in your spirit, man. It's like you get pictures in your heart of a preferred future. God shows you those things, but that's not it. That's just step one. You start to get a revelation. You start to get a picture. You start to get clear understanding of God's word over your life, but it's not not going to come into activation until you say something. Now, here's God's word to you. Now, what do you say about it? Pretty cool. That's awesome. Now, what do you say about it? Neat, neat revelation. What do you say about it? By his stripes, I am healed. Praise God. That's a neat verse. Hallelujah. What do you say about it? I say, by his stripes, I am healed right now. I am healed. Sickness has no right to be in my body. It says, I, I said in first, first, no, third John, little, little John, or so is it second little John? Little, little, or little, little, little. Anyway, it says, beloved, I pray above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. You get a revelation that yours. it's God's will. It's God's mind. It's God's word over me. It's his covenant to me that I walk in health. Therefore, anything that tries to come against the manifestation of that is wrong. And it doesn't matter what's trying to come into my life. I insist right now. I say I am healthy. Let the poor say I am rich. Let the weak say I am strong. But I'm not. I'm weak. I didn't say how are you. I said this is your confession. Don't tell me how you are. Tell me what the word of God says over you because every spirit, God-begotten thing overcomes the world. And that God-begotten word in your mouth will bring the kingdom into manifestation in your life. So you gotta get it in your heart. You gotta believe, but then you gotta confess. And it says because when you confess, it comes, it's you confess unto salvation. Some people go, well, that's about being born again. No, salvation is the whole package. Salvation isn't just getting into the kingdom. Salvation is the complete package of his kingdom manifest in your life. So confession is made unto salvation. So for salvation to come into manifestation, every bit of it, you gotta believe it in your heart and you gotta confess it with your mouth. How are we doing? Is anybody going to put this into practice this week? Three people. 
I mean, do it. Do it in every area. Do it in every little thing. All right? Faith works by believing in confession. Number five, faith thrives in a loving environment. Faith thrives in a loving environment. Galatians 5, 6, 4, 4, Galatians 5, 6 says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision carries any weight. It's not about religious outer observances. It's not about that nonsense. All that matters, I love it. All that matters, the only thing that matters is faith working through love. And you know, that's why it says don't doubt. And that's why it says if you, for, if you got a problem with somebody, if you got unforgiveness in your heart, you got something like that, those kind of things are not an environment for faith to operate. And when you're trying to operate in faith and you're trying to get results in your life, but you want to hang on to unforgiveness at the same time, that's going to be a bitter root right there. And it's going to be a hard time to say, I want to drink out of the stream of nastiness and I want the stream of love and God at the same time. You can't. He said, you know, before we start engaging, let's clear up the mess and let's clear up the unresolved conflict and all that stuff in your life. Can you get out? Hallelujah. I want to be well, but I want you to kill my brother. Hallelujah. That's not going to work. Am I seeing a vision or? Oh, praise the Lord. There it is. Thought I saw somebody there. That's all right. So it's got to work in that environment of number six. Faith's a lifestyle. Faith's not an event. It's like I operated in faith yesterday. It's not an event. It's the way you live. It's the way you do all of life. Faith is a lifestyle. It says four times in the Bible, Habakkuk, Romans, Galatians, Hebrews, it says the same phrase, the just shall live by faith. The righteous, the righteous people, how do they live? How do they function? Faith. Faith is a lifestyle. It's not something you visit every once in a while. I'm going to exercise my faith today. Every single day you're walking and you're living and you're manifesting faith because it's how I do life. Hallelujah. Number seven. Here we are. Here we are. Number seven. Faith is a journey. Can I get a journey? Faith. What do you mean faith is a journey? What are you talking about? Look at this verse. It says, show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. See, there's times where you're in faith, but you got to stay there. And sometimes faith is a journey because they had to be patient. Patient is, okay, I command it to come into manifestation now. I'm just going to sit here and wait for it now. Patience isn't sitting on your butt. Patience is standing firm. It's continuing to speak. It's not just asking. It's asking and asking and asking. It's not just a knock. It's knocking and knocking. and knocking. It's just not just a seek. It's seeking and seeking and seeking. And that's really how it is in the word. It's not a seek, an ask, or a knock. It is a constant. I am not letting this thing go. I am attached to this like a bulldog. I'm not going to relax my grip until this comes into manifestation. And you know, just like when he cursed the fig tree, there wasn't a manifestation right away, but they came back later and it was gone. Sometimes when you step into a realm of faith, you don't see the result right away. Sometimes there's that, that middle part. There's that endurance. I'll show it to you on the screen. Watch this. Here's the journey of faith. Say, Stretch! Stretch! All right, it's the beginning. God's word is the middle. My endurance, it's the end, is the manifestation. So the beginning is you get God's word. The middle is endurance. But you know, when you're enduring, there's criticism. I can't believe you believe that. What's the matter with you? I mean, wow. I mean, there's critic. You know, when you start to stretch, you're vulnerable. When you start to pull something, you stretch it out. It's in a, you put yourself in a vulnerable spot, but there's, there's criticism, there's, there's attacks, there's discouragement, there's seeming contradictions. I just declared this and I'm believing for it and nothing changed. And it seems like what you're believing for 
other things, even worse things are starting to happen now. And I just, oh my goodness, I can't believe it. It's getting uglier, not better. What do you do right then? You endure. You stand up under it. You stay in faith. And you believe that what you said is surely going to come to pass. And there's times you got to stay in the battle to see it done. So many people quit. It says you're going to have it if you don't quit. And way too many people start to struggle a little bit. Well, that's too hard. There's times you got to endure on the journey. I love that verse, 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9. Look at this. Here's the journey. You ready? Whom having seen, not seen him, yet you love him. Though now you do not see him, you're believing and you are rejoicing with joy, inexpressible joy and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith. So Peter says, you're believing and then you're receiving, but he said your posture in between believing and receiving is Joy. What are you being so miserable about? I'm waiting for God to fulfill this promise. No, you're not. You stepped into doubt and fear and unbelief. If you're really believing, I just confess God's word over my life. Ha, 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 ha. Whoa, praise God. Ha, 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 ha. What are you doing? I'm patiently enduring for the promise. Because believing with joy unspeakable full of glory, I am receiving the end of my declaration of faith. So there's times there's going to be a challenge in the middle. In the middle section, you get difficulties. In the middle is where you got to stretch. Can I get a hallelujah? Stretch. Get out your, you got your elastic band with you? Just stretch that. You see, when it's, nothing's happening to it, there's no pressure. But when you start to put that under pressure, it starts to feel a bit vulnerable. It starts to feel a little bit weak. And there's sometimes where you may feel, I feel vulnerable now. A lot of people don't want to exercise faith because they don't want to get out of the boat. They don't want to be vulnerable. But you know, when you step in faith, sometimes you're vulnerable. But it's amazing. Suddenly, this little rubber band, it's suddenly got power because it's being stretched. And you can loose it right now at your neighbor and go, boom, you shouldn't do that. Don't use it as a weapon. That would be a bad thing. So Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, it says, now faith is the substance of the things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not yet seen. Hebrews 11, the, the Passion Translation, now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire. It brings our hopes into reality. It becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things that we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. So you know what? Here it is with faith. You take this hand and you wrap it around the promise of God. And this is where you are. These are your realities stuck down here. But when you stay in faith and you continue to stretch and you say, I will not be moved, you're going to see your realities get tugged into the revelation of God's word in your life. And faith works like that. Faith is where you lock on to God and you stretch for something that's not seen. You stretch for something that seems impossible and you pull all the way out there. You're so far out. Everybody's saying you're nuts. Everybody's saying you're crazy, but you know I got a promise and a revelation from God. And you put yourself way out here. When you put yourself out there, I'm telling you, you're going to see the end. You're going to see bang. You're going to see your realities turn into what God promised you. And you're going to pull the unseen realm into your life and into your experience. But it means you got to stretch, folks. You got to stretch. Can I get a stretch? Stretch. The importance of stretching. I got a whole long passage. Just read you a little bit of it, though. It says, upon awakening, our muscles are oxygen-starved and loaded with irritating waste. And our brains need blood pressure to increase and prepare the body for activity, especially for standing up. All those issues are addressed with a good stretch. I tell you, the enemy's trying to lock down the body of Christ right now with this stupid pandemic. He's trying to put the whole body of Christ to sleep. Just lock yourself in, sit here, and go from the COVID-19 to the COVID-25. 
I tell you, there's, there's just a lack, there's lethargy, there's hopelessness, we're just waiting. What are you doing? I'm waiting until this passes so we can start to worship God again. Oh my goodness. I mean, this is time to stretch, folks. What are we doing? We sold our building in the middle of a pandemic. We're going to buy more properties. We're going to stretch. I want to read a verse to you. Ready? Isaiah 54, 2. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Say stretch. So right now in the middle of this, we're going to step into faith. I'm not going to be moved by what I see. I'm not going to submit to the nonsense. I'm going to see this as those who have eyes to see. Let them see that we are in a window of incredible opportunity right now to stretch. And I want to stretch. I want to be stretched as a people. I want to be stretched not not only in London, but over all of southwestern Ontario. I want to stretch ourselves out over what's going on. Huh? You know, like Elijah, when they said the boy is dead, Elijah stretched himself out over the boy. He went eye to eye, face to face. He stretched himself out over everywhere there was death. And he said, let there be life. I want to not pull back right now. Oh, I hope this pandemic goes away. When it goes away, maybe we can do church again. Are you kidding? We're doing church right now. And what are we doing right now? We're going to stretch. We're going to take ground. We're going to put ourselves in vulnerable positions. We're going to do things that in this realm look stupid, but we're going to stretch. We're going to attach ourselves to the word of God. And right now in this season, we're going to make the absolute most of it. And we're going to see growth, acceleration, and manifestations of God's goodness and grace. Can I get a hallelujah from the back row? Can I get a glory from that row? That's what it's all about, folks. It's about using your faith. Moses had to stretch out his rod. Jesus had to stretch out his hand and have compassion on the leper. I mean, the man with the withered arm tucked and hidden in shame. He said, stretch out your shame and be free. If you're going to exercise faith, you have to stretch. And we right now as a church, I'm asking you and I'm calling you, please engage right now. Don't be that limp little elastic that's waiting around to be engaged. I'm asking you to pull. I'm asking you to attach yourself to what God wants to do to see in the unseen realm his passion for this community. I'm going to put this around my wrist so I can snap it all the time and say, I'm living in faith right Right now, right this moment, I'm living in faith. I'm going to snap it every day and remind myself that we're called into a season of stretch. We're called into a season of taking ground, of taking territory. We're called into a season of speaking to the hopeless a word of life and power. We're called into a season of stretching over the death in our communities and saying, let there be life. That's, that's not bad. That's pretty good. All right. So we want to stretch. We want to increase. We want to go. We want to see more. Come on, stand up with me. I should have had some of those, what is Jesus doing things made again so we could all put them on and go whack. How many still have your what is Jesus doing thing at home? Paul does. Paul. Yeah, throw it on and just whack yourself every once in a while and say stretch. Stretch. Pay for increase. Pray for properties. Pray for land to come to us. And let's let's pray not only that we might purchase some land, but maybe it might be given to us. Because, you know, he who refreshes others will also be refreshed. I don't mind giving. I don't mind building churches in Jamaica. I don't mind helping with roofs and helping with properties here and down. I don't mind going out to the reserve, and when all the windows get broken, we'll put all the windows back in. I don't mind helping all the other people. But you know why we did that? Because we got seed in the soil. We got seed in the soil. So I'm calling that back in. I'm calling back in not just what we can do, but what can God can do with the people of faith. What God can do, because you know what? It would be crazy for us to say, we call in that miracle if we never sowed a seed. But you know what? We've sowed seed. 
We've sowed seed. We've given to people who can't return. We've poured into areas that have no ability to give back to us. We've poured into brokenness so that we can be those who refresh others. It's time for us to be refreshed, which means it's time for us to exercise faith in the seed that we've sown and to call in right now and to walk in faith and call those things that not as those were. And together, if I'm praying about it, that's good. But what if we're all praying about it? What if we're all praying about it? What if we all put something on our wrist and say, whack, what's that there for? Pastor said stretch. We stretch right now. We call those things. We speak. We command the unseen realm to come. We're stretching. We're stepping into a realm of incredible tension so that we can cause the unseen realm to invade our situation. And that can happen for you. It can happen for you and your family. I mean, we've got a miracle going on in our family that's so amazing. We're seeing God do things that, you know, I would have thought were impossible, but he's doing it. I mean, there's, there's things right now God is doing the impossible right now and you can believe your prayers are being answered right now you're calling what you've been hanging on for what you've been desperately crying out for don't relax your grip because it's going to come into manifestation for you if there's sickness in your body i love perry and his family and the way they're contending with wilma and i believe wilma's in there contending for her own healing and i believe that they're stretching every way they can they're putting themselves right out there because they believe that wilma shall walk wilma shall be made whole wilma shall be home wilma will not be robbed of her destiny and there's a family that we're stretching with i hope you're with them. I hope you're pulling with them because we insist on seeing that in manifestation. I have a massive spitting anointed today. It's so amazing. But I want to pray for you. Can I pray for you? I've taken a little more of your time today. I'm sorry, but I had to do it. Listen, can you all bow your heads? All your believers, you're praying. You're praying. You're praying. You're praying. I don't know everyone here today. I'm always grateful to have guests and visitors. But if you're here today and you've never said, hey, Jesus, I believe in you. And I'm telling you, I don't, I don't want to scare you, use a negative message, but Jesus wept over a city because not knowing him leads to destruction. It really does. But when you know him, I tell you, the peace, the grace, the wonderful flow of his life, he has invited you. He said, come receive me because he's forgiven your sins. He's touched you. He's healed you. He loves you. He's much about you. He accepts you. Would you accept him? If you've never done that, I want to ask you to do that today. I'm going to count to three. I'm going to go one, two, three. And even you watching online or watching a recording of this, if you've never done that, receive him in your heart today. Just receive him because he loves you and he's for you. But if you're in the room here today and you want to do that, when I count to three, would you put your hand up really high so I can see it? You ready? One, two, three. Just put your hand up very high. High so I can see it. Anyone, first time you've ever said, Jesus, I receive you. All right, let's pray. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your son. Thank you that you're my Savior. Thank you that you're my Lord. I receive you now. I receive forgiveness. I receive freedom. I receive eternal life. Thank you for saving me, restoring me to my Father. Fill me with your Spirit. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Oh, man, we got prayer time here. If you need prayer, there's going to be people on the yellow dots up here. You stay back on that other dot. People are going to distance and pray for you if you need prayer. We've also got prayer online. We've also got staff pointing at me. We got the bucket that you can put your... Uh,
Exit, yeah, you do have to exit that way and space yourselves out as you exit. And as you start walking towards the exit, I'm going to pray you out. But if you need prayer, stay behind and then come on up to the line and people are going to pray for you, okay? Heavenly Father, bless this house. Thank you, everything. I pray, Lord, that you would put this word deep in our hearts. I pray people would get a rubber band, slap it around their wrists and just join us in this season of stretch. We're believing for incredible breakthrough. We're going to exercise our faith and see your kingdom come in full-blown manifestation. Thank you for your partnership with us. Bless them now. Church begins now. Church begins now. Church begins now. Get out there and manifest the goodness of God because the Father loves you. Jesus Christ's grace is all over you and the Holy Spirit is your divine partner. Go in Jesus' name. Manifest the goodness of God. Amen. God bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you.